Spill it. Spill it. We spilled it. Hey guys. Hey guys. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Zafira. My name is Robia. I live in the UK and Robia lives in the US. We're cousins and we're best friends. And we're here to spill the chai. All right. So guys, today we have a very special guest with us and we're honored to have her here. Um, she is the um, owner of the first and largest animal rescue service in Pakistan. Um, so Aisha, welcome. Thank you for having me, guys. Would you like to first start, start off by just introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm Aisha and I run ACF Animal Rescue, which is uh, primarily in Karachi. <clears throat> and we have a rescue service and a sanctuary for abused, neglected and injured stray animals uh, in Pakistan. So the plan, the vision of this entire foundation sort of was something that I think I was thinking about since I was about six years old. But when I was about 23, I used to live in the UK. I moved back and I just thought I want to, you know, start something. And if I don't move back and if I don't do this now, then I don't know who's going to do it. So I was actually working as a journalist and I was getting a few different gigs and I actually wanted to be an actress, funnily enough. And then I sort of switched <laughs> because I just thought, um, OK, you know, like because I used to get very depressed and like really, really depressed and anxious when it came to seeing the kind of abuse that I would see on the streets. You know, just going to school, you're sitting in your car and you see a little donkey being beaten on the road and he's been made to carry like a lot of weight on his back. And you just think, how is he managing? And it's so hot. And does he get water? And does he get to eat? And, you know, what's his life like? So I used to sort of be very much, uh, you know, thinking about such things when I was really young. And it was the same for me as far as kids went as well. It was like, you know, I, I, I would see a kid my age on the road and he wouldn't have any shoes on and he'd be selling flowers. And I would just be like, why do I get to go to school and sit in a car with an AC and, you know, get to have everything that I want to have? And, you know, like I love the Lion King. So I had like everything to do with the Lion King, you know, and these kids probably didn't even have a single toy to their name. So I just used to, I was very aware of that when I was really young. So, um, I just wanted to do something with whatever little privilege that I had. And I think that's something that all of us can do. You know, like it's it's yeah. about it's very good to be like you're very lucky to be born into any kind of privilege. It's what you make of it that really matters. So if we do have some sort of opportunities, it's always necessary. And I feel that's how the universe works. It's always necessary to 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 pay it forward. So <clears throat> so I think when I was a kid, so I started rescuing animals then I started sort of oh, having really? classes yeah since I was really young I was about six and I didn't even know you know I, I just knew I had to do something so be it like you know baby chicks or be it dogs or be it little kittens or be it like a cow or a goat or whatever my poor mom had to deal with all the animals at home because you know as much as I like to play with them I wasn't good at the cleaning up after them and um so and then as far as kids went I used to have my mom sort of put up classes for you know my uh sort of the the maid's kids and the driver's kids who used to live in our house as well just so they could learn everything that I learned as a kid because it, I thought it was unfair 
that I got to learn so much and they didn't. So I would do like different things like this. I was very, um, so yeah, I, I, I think this, so the vision was essentially to help all the neglected and abused uh, areas in society, all the different segments of society that have been forgotten and those are bullied and that really have no voice. And when I started, it wasn't meant to be just animals, like the plan was, uh, because I was training as really a psychic. I'm really sorry, my cat wants attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's actually really sweet. So, um, so yeah, so I was going to be working with uh, animals. I was going to be working with uh, humans. So the plan was to, and I was working with humans at the beginning, like a lot. Um, so I used to counsel acid burn survivors and uh, orphans and people with special needs. And so I used to do whatever I could because I was training to be a, a psychotherapist at the time. And I was still working on uh, documentary films in the UK and in Pakistan. So I had like five jobs at the same time while I was studying ACF and doing my third degree <clears throat> in psychotherapy. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, so it was it was pretty insane. But I just thought so. And yeah, and that's before I moved back from the UK. So I was going to stay over there. I was actually going to see if I could make it as an actress and see what I could do and, um, you know, be a journalist or do whatever and see how I could make those two parts meet. But the anxiety and the depression of, you know, since I was a kid, that never really left. And it just sort of became worse. And it was aggravated more because I was thinking, look, if I, if I stay here and if I embark upon, you know, this totally separate path, then the plan that I had for animals or, you know, what I want to do for them, I can't wait for anyone else to sit and do it. Like if if I don't go back and do it now, I don't know who's going to do it. So either I become the someone who rescues and I become the someone who does something or I don't complain about it and I don't get depressed about it anymore. So I had to make a choice. So I left everything in the UK and I just thought, okay. So are your parents I'm gonna still back. in the UK? Well, I was there. My parents were here. I was there for about oh. seven years, like six and a half, seven years. I went to study over there. Okay. So I had uh, my, yeah, so I did both my degrees over there, my undergraduate and my master's. Mm -hmm. So undergraduate was literature and philosophy. Master's was international broadcast journalism. And the third one was in humanistic psychotherapy and counseling, which I did over here, but with the school affiliated in the UK. So, mm -hmm. I, so yeah, I moved back when I was about 23, I think, yeah. And I started ACF when I was about 24. So um, I just started, I honestly thought it was going to be like a side project, like a hobby. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely was not thinking it would take over my entire life. Um, because honestly, I didn't know how much abuse there was and just how far reaching these issues of animal violence towards animals was in Pakistan. And, you know, like you see certain things on the road, but when you really delve deeper, you realize that, okay, this is more than... Um, you know, just the one donkey owner hitting a donkey on the road. This is a very uh, deep-rooted sense of violence that we possess as a as 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 a people over here, where we feel like we're allowed to abuse the most vulnerable in society. And it sort of opened my eyes to a lot of things that I hadn't 
uh, thought of before, just our intolerance and our, our, our negativity and the fact that we can exploit the weak. So there's a lot we of... Actually, uh, we actually had a question about that specifically. Like, okay. so is that why you think animals are treated so poorly in Pakistan is because of like the mentality towards animals? Is that like the main reason? Uh, yes, I think it's a very complicated, uh, layered, like nuanced, you know, a, a sort of a psyche to understand. Because the thing is that people over here, you know, there's no, if you really look in the, in, into the reality that people hardly get justice in, in this country. It's really hard to get any form of justice over here. And people live such hard lives. Um, and it's, it, you know, so it, it, it ends up hardening you as a person. So you're so busy trying to survive uh, over here, just, you know, worrying that am I going to have food to eat the next day or is the or even if we're slightly more privileged people, you know, even for them, it's like, is there going to be water coming and do we have to get a tanker? Is there going to be electricity tomorrow? You know, there the, all these small, small things end up becoming really big and uh, people hard become so hardened because they never see justice we don't really see happy endings over here for anyone it's normally if anything negative happens it's 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 either forgotten or it's hushed away if you're going to talk about empathy we have to talk about the fact that this this um, way of being has sort of become so ingrained in our dna that it's going to, it takes a hell of a lot to change the mindset over here, which is what I've been trying to understand and change. So as far as animals go, animals, yeah, I think even when, when I was a kid, you know, people would make fun of me, my teachers, even my family, because they were just like, no, the animal is used to being beaten, you know, it's fine. And animals don't, you know, it's it's fine. They're just, just forget about them. It, it doesn't matter. Focus on humans. That's, that's, so it's like, no, but they probably feel like I can see the donkey close his eyes in pain when he's being hit. And I would wince and close my eyes in pain like that if I was being slapped also. So if our expressions physically are so similar, if our reactions are so similar, then that probably means that we feel similarly also, right? So that was like when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I used to struggle with that, that how can people say it's okay or they're used to it or just forget about it? Because donkeys were seen as like vehicles on the road and dogs were seen as non-existent, kind of abuse that happens, be it like throwing boiling water on a cat or throwing acid on a dog or mm -hmm. cutting the ears off of puppies. Like these are all very normal reactions over here to animals. So why, so, do, they, you know, why do they do that? Like <clears throat> what, what is know, the interaction I, that leads to throwing boiling water on a dog? I think there's a lot of frustration over here and there's a lot of repressed rage. And I think it's easiest for people to take that out on the most vulnerable where there are no legal consequences and where the, the animal or the, or let's not say animal, the living being cannot fight back, nor does the living being look like you. So if it was a human, they would probably still, even that's like hardly anything, but they'd probably step back a little bit and be like, huh, okay, this looks like me. So not a good idea because this could happen to me or this could happen to my kid, right? So maybe just for that reason, people are, they, and, and because there's legal implications when it's a human, right? So that sort of holds people back. Um, <clears throat> and not even that much, but with animals, 
there's no legal implication the animal can't fight back there's no one defending the animal uh there's no one you know standing up and that animal can't it, it doesn't have any rights so obviously it's free game for anyone and you're never going to be held uh, accountable it makes people feel why, powerful um, we are honored to have a pakistani like you being a pakistani yourself that there are people like you who are um helping in this cause thank you that that's that's really kind honestly i've just been also learning as i go along and you know like i meet so many people i meet people who abuse animals i meet people who who torture them <clears throat> who just think they're like you know these objects to sell and they don't deserve food water or care or love or anything and i meet all sorts of people so even the kind of rage that i have inside me when it comes to you know like having to deal with such people because yeah. i can't yell and scream and shout and that's another thing you know if we the people who do care about animals you can't <clears throat> because it's such a new concept in the country <clears throat> sorry you can't go around and eat some water you can't go around um yelling at people and screaming okay. at them and saying do it like this and do it like that because change doesn't come when you attack a person right it just puts the person on the offensive change only comes when you can tap into the mind of a person and sort of work from some level of understanding as hard as that is as empathy is when you can understand the darkness of a person and you can stay with that darkness and work with it to bring it to the light So right. by the way speaking of which how how old are the two of you? Uh so I'm 18 turning 19 in December and I'm 19 uh turning 20 this month. Uh Okay, nice good ages. So this is really good that I get to talk to you guys and you guys should you know so this is this is something when I I I hope I've been helpful because when I was your age I guess yeah I was studying and I was uh I was in college and I was sort of thinking about all of these things but Yeah, I I I kind of wish there was someone who could have guided me a little bit, right? As to like where I want to take all of these big feelings and thoughts which I have in my head. So it was really tough to navigate that, but I'm really glad that um, you know, the like all of you guys because you're the generation who's going to bring about the change. Like I can just sow some seeds, but you guys are going to have to water them and make them grow. Yeah. So Alfra's like um UK based. So she is lives in the UK like you did and I live in America. So yeah. it's it's like very like different being like Pakistani in a different country of than course. being like a Pakistani in Pakistan, but obviously we still like love our country so much and we want to help and improve it, but it's so nice to see like people who have gone out for education and then come back and like use that education to like improve systems in Pakistan because that's something me and Zafra talk about all the time but it's just difficult like obviously like we know Urdu but there's still like some of a language and cultural barrier even for like Pakistan, my Urdu is terrible as well <laughs> I've, I've lived in my whole life my Urdu is so bad I'm slowly getting making it better because I was so used to talking in English even when I was a kid but <clears throat> what you guys can do because of the power of social media right use it for your benefit So what you can do is you can you know learn a lot about things that happen in the US and the UK because that's where essentially I got my training to work with animals and I had to come back over here and localize that. But what you guys can do 
is <clears throat> you, you can make educational flyers. You can, you know, talk about different things when it comes to dogs and cats and empathy and compassion and what happens over there and maybe make examples of stuff that goes on over there. Yeah, that, our, yeah it's I mean, not, that's, what we, that's what we pretty much do on our podcast. Like we talk about different world issues. We've talked about um, Palestine. We've talked about women's rights and stuff like that. And now, good, wonderful rights as well. Yeah, so we're, we're talking, talking about to... like the um, attacks that are happening in or being. I mean, I'm sure they've always happened, but being more publicized in Pakistan. That's kind of our next episode. Is kind of like all of the attacks and like you know stories about what's happening to women finally being like brought more to light in like a worldwide scale. So we're trying to like, you know, spread issues about things that we know are going on in Pakistan. And Zafra actually did find you through Instagram. So the power of social media is amazing. Yeah. So you see, this is good. We, um, like post more about it on our Instagram. Uh, we yeah. have, well, I have actually posted your story of like Empress Market on our highlights. So people can go check you out there if they want. And kind of fund you as well, because I'm pretty sure you guys definitely need the money. Yeah. That would be wonderful. That that would be really good, actually. Me and Zafra also had a question about, like, we were just very curious about what was your most memorable save or, like, which animal do you remember the most rescuing if there was a special scenario ever? Um... Oh gosh, I think, you know, my most memorable stage isn't uh, so much about a particular animal. I think it's when we had this really bad flood in 2019 um, mm-hmm. at the shelter. And we didn't realize that the rain was going to be so bad that year and monsoon season was really bad. And um, so I got that like 4 a.m., and by that time, my entire sanctuary was drowning and the animals were drowning. And like, it was really, really, really bad. And so I just had like, my whole team was standing there and we were all holding our head in our hands. And everyone was like, what do we do? What do we do? How do we save 500 animals uh, when things are so bad, right? And I'm talking about paralyzed animals and blind animals and right. all sorts of animals. So, um, and you Pakistan's know, like, how do, are like horrendous. They are insane. <laughs> they are beyond horrendous. So, so it was so bad. Um, so yeah, so I think when that happened, it was, uh, you know, it, it, so I stood over there and I really had to realize, okay, everyone is looking to me for leadership right now. And mm-hmm. I have a choice, like either I have to really, cause we couldn't walk. Like there was so much water was coming up to my thighs and it was still raining. Oh, and I could just hear the screams of all the animals begging for help. And mm-hmm. uh, everyone was like, you know, they were looking at me saying, what do we do? I had all the animals looking at me saying, are you going to save us? So I just had this moment of clarity at that time that, you know, I, I, I'm going to save them. Because the other option that people were saying, oh, well, just open the doors and, you know, see whoever can swim out. But it's like, no, you can't do that. They're paralyzed, they're blind, they're three-legged. So what we did, I don't know how, I just said, get in there and we save every animal. 
and we got in there and between like a bunch of girls to be honest it was mostly us girls actually doing it and we somehow lifted up like in the crazy rain we lifted up these iron cages like massive ones we put them we we built platforms we put them on top of platforms so we could put the animals up so so you know they wouldn't be in the water um if 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 you look at our instagram you'll see there's a video up of 2019 the flood was really bad and we sort of did whatever we could to save the animals and we lost one kitten and one cat who were all who who were new rescues and they were not going to make it anyway because they were in a bad state but all the other animals we saved and i yeah. don't know how we did it because it was like maybe seven of us and I mean, a lot of animals and a lot of water did really help you that day Yeah, you know, it's sort of I just got this this uh this I don't know, it was this uh, sort of feeling inside of me that no, if you've taken on this responsibility, then you do it and you do it well and you can't keep waiting for anyone to come and help you. You got to just do it. So which is how I don't know how we got the superhuman strength to lift heavy duty iron cages and platforms and everything. But yeah, so somehow we managed and I think that sort of gave me the the because I've been very unsure of this work. It's really scary doing this in this country where like there are no guidelines and you're making everything up as you go along. <laughs> right. Um, and, and and there are no animal rights laws, right, to protect you either. Yeah. So it's 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 a very scary place to work, but I think I sort of got this sort of uh a uh, reassurance within myself because i never had that i was constantly doubting myself and i wasn't sure if i was doing the right thing i was cut out for this or can i manage and you know i'm i'm a real like i doubt myself a lot and at that time the way i handled it i was really proud because the first time i was like okay i actually did it i did it really well yeah so i mean look at you now you're celebrating 8 years with acf Yeah that's actually really nice so it's actually good it's it, it it was it's been a it's been a very hard eight years but somehow we survived i don't know how we got here but um, honestly we like live on a prayer every day so we're just really lucky also in that way and i have like an amazing team are you guys all non-profit based and only take volunteers or how does the organization work in that sense Well actually you see the the thing is over here volunteers don't it's 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 very unrealistic to say volunteers should give up their entire life and not whatever make money and just volunteer with an organization this is a full time job we have yeah. we have 42 to 40 no we have 43 staff members who are full time and yeah, that's you amazing Yeah, you have to have your accounts department, your HR, your managers, your animal care managers, your vet team, your rescue officers. If you want this to work as effectively, like we have a nine one one service sort of a situation over here, right? If you want to, and then we also are a hospital. We're an old age home. We're an orphanage. We're a special needs home. We're we're everything for, and we're just one for all the animals of Karachi, which is one of the largest cities in the world. um so you can imagine the kind of pressure so no there's a misconception which i really disagree with that for a charity it's only volunteers i think you should incentivize people with a good salaries and with you know all sorts of with benefits like health insurance and life insurance because they are doing a really tough job and my team works amazingly so it would be wrong and it would be unjust to exploit someone's hard work by not compensating them because they also have families to feed and they have homes to run so we have about 43 uh, to f- how many are there right now? i think they're 45 we have 45 permanent employees and then we have separate volunteers who join us for like 
sorry to cut you off. Um, you mentioned that um, when you were doing the flood, there was uh, mostly girls. Do you think um, you guys have an issue of like getting guys to, you know, join your yeah. cause as well? You know, that's actually we have like the it, no, we don't. It's not it's it's not so much like that. It's more like they, they couldn't reach on time because the flood like the, oh, okay. the, the roads were so flooded. Uh, but as far as the the men go, it's really interesting. And in, in our work, there's no like I'm a woman or I'm a man. It's like whoever whoever has the strength, like I'm not a rescue, like I couldn't be a rescue officer because I'm I'm physically not strong enough to carry the heavy duty catching poles and the nets. Like if you try carrying it, it weighs a, a lot, you know, so holding that, catching dogs in that and doing all the rough and tough work, I can't do it. So I wouldn't pretend to be able to do that. But my rescue officers are all men, right? And they're actually very good at what they do. Whereas my animal care managers, I have one boy right now and I have the rest of them are, 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 are women, you know? So, but I, I think they're more majority women over there because women do have more of a nurturing element in them. Although the boy I have also has a very nurturing element <laughs> in him. You know, so it's one of those things that honestly, it just depends on who fits the job role. And, you know, you have those. Uh, so, yeah, so like uh, uh, this is how it works. Whereas a lot of my general staff are mostly men because there's a lot of heavy duty stuff. Like you have to lift these heavy duty tr uh, troughs, uh, you know, of the donkey food or you have to move maneuver donkeys or you have to uh, pick up a lot of heavy dogs or, you know, you have a lot of uh, cleaning to do and. It's really tough to do it. So whereas the women are very good at, uh, you know, sort of feeding the puppies and the kittens, the orphan ones are very good at nurturing them. So I think wherever someone's strength is, we sort of have people based on that. But our our bosses, our, our, our leads and majority of everything are women. Because I think overall the work that we do, it is something that a woman... Um, it's just how God kind of made women. They are more sympathetic and they have just yeah. more emotions. Yeah, yeah. So you and see, patience to deal with. Patience, right? Um, because like sort of rehabilitation of animals, it takes a lot of nurturing. It takes a lot of patience. You've got to treat an aggressive dog who's had acid thrown on him. You know, he's angry, but behind the anger, there's sadness. Right. And that a lot more and you know just sitting with him and giving that motherly love it's it's you know it's 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 a woman's gift that yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, sorry um so given what you do like we get it you guys are like completely like busy with your life with your uh, work life so how do you balance it with your private life like do you have you like figured it out or are you still working on it um, I'm still working on it. I have not figured that out at all, to be honest. I quite I struggle with the personal life at the moment because um, I haven't had time. I literally don't have time. So yeah. I am really trying to see. And, and that's the thing. I started with just myself on a volunteer vet. And I have a team of about 45 people, right? So it's taken ages. Like it takes a lot to build that, to raise the funds, to uh, create uh, protocols and create, uh, you know, methods of working and all of that over here. Because again, there's no guideline. I had to make all of that. So I've sort of been, so now slowly I'm, you know, I've this, the, the team is self-sufficient enough that slowly, slowly I want to like step back a little bit, like not wear 10 hats, maybe wear five hats, 
you know, <laughs> and so switch it in so that I can get a bit of a break as well. Because honestly, in the job, you also have to be very creative and you have to um, have very clear thinking and you have to keep studying and learning and, you know, figuring out new ways of dealing with stuff. So I spend whatever free time I have, I spend it reading and learning more. And I'm not getting time to do with that these days. So then my creativity uh, goes down and I can't have that go down because if you see our social media, everything is like original content. Whatever I put out there, stuff that, you know, we've learned. So um, I, I, I need to, so to, in, in order to keep it going, ironically, I need a break, which I'm not getting. No, I'm that's hoping- completely understandable. Like doing what you do. I, I keep up with you guys quite regularly on Instagram and it's quite commendable what you do. I don't know how you do it. I have a hard <laughs> time like um, taking care of one of my cat and you guys do it with so many. <laughs> I we did we were also curious what does a day in your life truly look like as you know the founder of this uh, animal rescue center that is a really good question um I I wake up I try to put my phone on do not disturb when I sleep but I'm normally paranoid because you end up getting like late night rescues and all. So just in case one of my animal care managers hasn't woken up or something, my eye anyway opens at around 3 a.m. Like I've just got so used to it because I have to check like, you know, is that animal that's come in or is, is an animal? So how do, you, do people just call and they see abuse and they call you guys? Like how does that? Yeah, we have, we have like a rescue service. So people call us, but our rescue service is not 24 hours. There's, uh, ours is until 6 p.m. But then we have people, we have, we've trained external like van drivers, you know, do like an emergency nighttime rescue. So just to ensure, or someone messages about something. So I kind of, if I'm not really tired, I always wake up in the middle of the night, it become a habit just to check. But otherwise I wake up around um, 8 Mm a.m. And I wake up to ping, 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 because my WhatsApp has gone insane because we have groups for everything and be it, you know, rescue calls coming in or something is going on because over here it's tough, you know, it's like you have water issues, you have electricity issues. Okay, the solar panel isn't working. Okay, this is going on. The fridge has stopped working because there was a short um, circuiting in that area. You know what I mean? There's like a lot of things. So even though I'm not directly dealing with them, I'm on top of everything. Plus, there's a lot of uh, coordination that goes into this, be it rescues for the day, talking to people. We get about 300 messages on our social media daily. So I have a social media coordinator, but it's so overwhelming for her as well. Um, you know, so I'm sort of helping out there as well. We have all the different outreach programs. So it's it's kind of, it's really busy. It's busy from the moment I wake up then I have um, uh, I, I, I have an office separately and then I have the shelter operation separately. Mm-hmm. So either I'm with my accounts team and I'm busy in paperwork and all the boring <laughs> stuff. Because, you know, all of you see me just with the animals. But I promise you, I wish I could spend more time with the animals. I don't get to as much. My team does mm-hmm. because I got to do the other stuff. <laughs> yeah you know what I mean so no one really realizes I have to make forms I have to make uh, policies I have to uh, sort out HR stuff I got to fundraise I have to give salaries I have to get the animal food I have to talk to vendors I have to sort out you know stuff with with my accounts team so my a lot of like so two say two of two of my days go into paperwork at my office and all the boring stuff, three days I try to spend at the sanctuary, like fully to see what's happening. Plus I'm on WhatsApp all the time and I have cameras. So I know exactly what's going on over there. And then two days, then sorry, then one day 
I am out on some form of outreach program that we have as well. So be it the TNVR, which is trap, neuter, vaccinate, release of dogs uh, to stop them from being poisoned and all. Or then I'm out at a donkey camp, but then I'm at Empress Market where they keep, it's a pet market for animals that keep them really badly. Or then I'm making some form of educational material, or then I'm doing some form of a collaboration, or then I have a meeting. It is just nuts. Every day is just insane. So... Yeah, Do you like, like that part of the job, though, that every day is something different, something new? You know, I really do. But there are some days I just want to sit back and binge a show on Netflix uh-huh. and like eat a lot of junk food and not <laughs> have to look at my phone. And I don't really get a chance to do that because there's always something going on. So I'm trying to sort of and you see, I can't keep hiring people because I just have that much funding coming in as well. Right. So I got to pick up the slack wherever I see it. So, yeah, and I just, I, it's, it's very difficult to have a normal life, I guess, okay. as much as I love it. But then I also realized that you can't have it both ways because someone who decides to do something different, you're never going to be normal. And that's okay. You know, you have to create your own kind of normal and your own. So it's more about um, as, as long as I get to regulate my emotions and my anxiety and, you know, like, and I need to be like, okay, Aisha, you're burning out. Now stop. You know, you can't save everyone. So uh, I have my sister, I have a great support system. So they know when I'm tired. Even my team knows when I'm really tired because I don't know when to press the pause button. So they pressed it for me. Like a therapy session for you. (laughs) Yeah, it was was really fun talking to you guys, by the way. Thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed this a lot. And, and thank you for your lovely questions. You guys have asked really wonderful questions that honestly no one has asked me before. Hence, I've like <laughs> yapped so much. <laughs> oh, we did have two more questions near the end so that we could put in the funding for like you guys here. So okay. how do you guys fund the organization? Like how can people help and find you guys? So and the also- best thing... Uh, yeah. Sorry, and also, like, what are your plans for the future? Okay, so the first one is that um, you can find us on social media. Our Facebook and our Instagram are the most active. Mm-hmm. I am not tech savvy. I'm trying to get our Twitter and LinkedIn and all sorted, but it's going to take me some time. Instagram was hard enough to learn how to make stories. So please bear with me. I am really not tech savvy, and I actually really don't like social media. I try to avoid it as much as I can, but I can't of my work so but that's the best place to find us and as far as donations from abroad yeah we purely run on donors and this is honestly the duas and the and the and the donations of people is 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 how we run it's everyone's prayers and you know it's, it's just it's very lovely and the best way to to do that is if you're donating internationally then you can find our gofundme link you can either message us or you can just find that in our bio on our Instagram page. Um, and there's another, so we have GoFundMe and we have this other platform called iCare. So iCare, so we can send both links to anyone who asks and um, we can, uh, you know, send you and, and, and that's how we basically work for international funding. And as far as uh, local funding in Pakistan goes, we have our, our, our bank account up on our, our main page as well. Okay. And if you just message us, we'll, you know, we can guide you over there as well. And we send receipts for everything. We're very transparent. So uh, we're tax exempt in Pakistan as well. And I care is tax exempt in the U.S. So this is how it benefits other people too. And uh, sorry, there was one more question, which was? 
Um, what are your plans for the future? I think just to um, survive, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't believe in making plans for the future because what this work has taught me is that the silliest thing you can do is make plans. So my vision, I mean, I can tell you what my vision is. My vision is one where, you know, animal, uh, animal care and empathy towards all living beings becomes such a norm in our society that ACF becomes obsolete and that there's no need for it anymore because people don't abuse animals anymore. That is what I want, that I want to go out of business. Uh, in a good way, where I don't want any more. I felt that now. when I worked at a COVID clinic, I was like, I'm waiting till this ends. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing that I, understand I would want saying. that to happen. Yeah. So I don't have, I can't tell you specific plans because again, it's so unpredictable, the climate here and whatever we do. So I think this is the most realistic thing I can share. <laughs> that was a really good answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's understandable. But we really, really hope that this has helped inspired some, you know, younger kids to yeah. start getting involved in their communities, whether it be in any like other community besides in Pakistan or in Pakistan as well. And now that you guys know about this organization, please, you know, help fund it. And we can link all of this um, underneath our podcast as well as post about it on our Instagram. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we'll definitely promote you guys more on our Instagram so people know where to find you. You guys are on our highlights so people can go check you out if they miss our stories. Great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you for being here and talking to us <laughs> in your busy life schedule. <laughs> no, well, thank you. Thank you. You asked lovely questions and you guys are really sweet. And I look forward to hearing from you again. Yeah, Talk yeah. to you guys soon. Bye. So, guys, that was kind of the end of um, our discussion with Aisha. Um, once again, just to reiterate, we're going to post about it on our Instagram and we're going to um, share their um, Instagram page so you can go and um, give them a donation or just check them out and spread the word. Yeah, like she said, you know, social media and the power of just growing and getting more followers, uh, posting educational materials. If you don't, um, if you can't donate any money at this time, just donating a follow and some time to go look through their page is also just as good. Yeah. And just by sharing it, you never know, like someone else could donate and stuff like that. So, and it's a really good cause. I feel like especially in Pakistan, like she said, where there's not many um, people who understand the value of animal care. I think it's very important that people do start talking about this so that there is more awareness about this in um, Pakistan. Sorry, actually, I'm sick. So. Zahra is really sick right now, but she's still powered through this podcast, which is amazing. But I just wanted to add and as we can see from the way she talked about the entire situation, she sees it as a very systematic issue with many layers. And she doesn't blame Pakistani people for acting this way. And I think that is a very important takeaway that 
we should all kind of get is that if you're trying to help a group of people or trying to change something in a society, you have to understand why that problem is. And I think she did a great job of understanding the mentality, understanding the issue and not blaming people for, you know, doing something that's wrong. And now she's working to fix that mentality and that mindset for a, you know, longer and more permanent change instead of just trying to, you know, put um, Western ideals and like, you know, Western solutions on a problem, on like in a different country where it wouldn't work. So if you're ever trying to, you know, help a group of people, I think it's really important to first understand where they're at in life, where they're coming out, what are their, you know, social, cultural, religious, external beliefs, and then help them from that perspective as well. Right. We also wanted to add that we have not um, overlooked like violence against women in Pakistan and how it's being brought to light in a like global scale. And we will be definitely doing an episode about this. We're actually in the process of recording that one as well. Um, and it will be posted um, next month. Excellent. And also we also just wanted to keep saying that we have not forgotten about Palestine. Palestine is still an issue. It's like literally a genocide and, you know, the world is just watching. Um, And I think that we just want to reiterate within every episode, even though every episode can't be just about Palestine, is that, you know, we still are posting on our social media, both on our personal and on this account. Yeah. And it will continue to be an issue until Palestine is free. So please, please still support Palestine. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out and DM us. We are open to, you know, sharing anything. Yeah, um, we try to, um, you know, if not have a podcast about it, but at least post about it on our social medias about any world issues that come up. Obviously, right now, I, we wish we could do something like Aisha does or any world organization that has helped people who are in need. But the most we can do is share by it, talk about it and spread awareness. And hopefully one day, like God will give us to, the strength to do something even bigger. And maybe this episode has also inspired you. Maybe even not in animal care, but in general, there's so much stuff going on this going on in this world, so much injustice that maybe this has inspired you to start your own organization that could help people or animals that are in need. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That took the life out of Zafra. <laughs> John Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Ruby, can you just end it? I can't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, this is Zafra and Rabia from UK and US, and we have spilled the jai. <laughs> <laughs> Allah Hafiz. Allah Hafiz. <laughs>